Who were you before you lost your wild self? That's what we're helping you explore on the Tend Her Wild podcast. Through questions and tools around how best to listen to your inner voice, rewild ourselves, and live the most authentic life where we thrive instead of survive. I'm Betsy. And I'm Kate. And we're so glad you've joined us for this episode. Tender listeners, we would love to see you live at our upcoming event called the Tender Urban Renewal Retreat, September 23 to 25th at the Hotel Vetro in downtown Iowa City. Kate and I will be there alongside several of our other Tender 2.0 staff leading workshops, doing cacao ceremony, engaging in sound healing, yoga, meditation, all kinds of amazing things. We encourage you to Take time for yourself to come uh, renew yourself, plug in, and meet a bunch of amazing uh, women coming together to, to grow and to learn and to elevate. On today's episode, we are so excited to have a guest with us. Rachel Headings is a functional medicine practitioner who is the founder of Rachel's Healing Arts. She followed her heart in creating a virtual functional medicine practice that helps motivated souls heal by treating the root cause of symptoms. She has 14 years of conventional medicine training as a family nurse practitioner, as well as 11 years experience as a certified functional medicine practitioner through the Institute for Functional Medicine. Her passion is to help people ignite their inner healer. She believes everyone has the power to heal themselves as they follow their inner guidance. She has experienced this in her own healing journey, as well as with many of her clients. She's a lifelong learner and committed to exploring many avenues for healing, self-development, and creating an environment of unconditional love. She's been married for 22 years and has three beautiful, active children. She loves living in a healthy, active lifestyle, watching her kids play sports, traveling, hiking, cooking nutritious food, and connecting with friends. Welcome, Rachel. Yay, Rachel. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Oh. Really a dream come true. <laughs> oh, well, we are we are equally thrilled to have you here because you have played an important role in both of our lives. Yeah. We were just so, talking before we started yeah. about how long we've known each other and we figured out you started to come to yoga over a decade ago. Yeah, I think 2009, 2010. You, and I feel like you were pregnant for a while and one of, for, I, for a yeah, while. for we some of those. Together. We were pregnant at the same, okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Our, my, your middle and my youngest time flies or no you're yeah both are youngest so. yeah yeah so share with us a little bit about well maybe we can start with just kind of how we've gotten to know you and and um we, we always like to kind of start with your first 10 years but um we met um probably about five years ago as you were contemplating a big move um and that's really where your business kind of that's where it took off um yeah, it was the her conference, her experience, or her yeah, experience. Which, I yeah. keep saying that spearheaded. Wrong. Yeah, that and you know I was contemplating, contemplating, can't talk today, <laughs> um, getting a functional medicine practice going, and I think that planted the seed for the courage that it was going to take when the pandemic hit. Yeah, to really jump off and 
do this thing. And yeah, so this conference that Kate uh, organized and I was a part of happened literally like two days before the world shut down or mm-hmm. three days or five days or the something like one, that, yeah. the last one. And you were there and I'd known you for a while, but I remember seeing your eyes like really light up. Something just clicked in you that day. And then because of that, sort of everything shifted for you. You moved away from a yeah, I traditional was fi- medical yeah, practice. Yeah, I was working and- in urology at the University of Iowa and it was a great position. Colleagues were great. All that was great. But in my soul, I knew I could do more and I wanted to do more and I wanted to help people heal in a way that I knew could help them. And so all the fear and doubt and everything just was flooding me and keeping me stagnant. And I think that conference really brought it all up and was like, no, you, you can believe in yourself. You can do this. I remember that day thinking, oh, she's, she's doing this. (laughs) Like I, I knew that you were on the verge of, you know, how people are kind of at the edge of the cliff and she jumped that day, left with a plan. I left with a plan. I remember you just being a business person, being successful, and and Betsy always in my eyes is successful, beautiful human. I was like, if they can do this, I can do this. (laughs) There is something about um, having other women, we talked about this earlier, just having them in your circle kind of cheering you on. And when you do, and the self-doubt comes in, those things come in, you know there's people that will understand that and talk you through that. And um, yeah, and so I think we've continued to touch base and We'll get into that in a little bit, but um, I've just loved watching your evolution and thinking about how far things have come for you. And, and can can I ask before we do get into your whole, because we love to start with the childhood and then grow that into where, but how does it feel? You had that awakening at that, her experience, and you're like, I can do this. There's other women doing this. I'm going for it. Today, where you stand, like two and a half, three years later, I how does it feel? Pinch myself that... I could do this, um, that my reality is so amazing. Mm. <laughs> I love that. Beautiful. Yeah. It's, it's very joyful. It's ups and downs. It's not, um, a joy ride every day because you're constantly facing your fears and your doubts. They don't go away. They go in the background. They're still there, but, um, the amount of freedom and, space I have for myself and to create the things that I want to be able to create and show up how I want to show up is there. And that's pure gratitude for that. It's beautiful. Okay. So you're, yeah, you've been a nurse and you've always been in healthcare, very traditional routes. Now clearly you're doing <clears throat> your own unique, you're creating your own unique thumbprint, but take us back to little Rachel, <laughs> where you grew up, how you grew up, <laughs> Uh, what you learned, what Kate and I have figured out as we've done these interviews is there's always a thread. There's always these stories that seem to carry out through the course of someone's life. So, and you told us you have a good story yeah, about your say, childhood. You settling so, in for like, this. Let's do this. You might not have heard a story quite like this. Um, my parents came back from Africa. They were volunteer missionaries. Um, my dad didn't, was a pacifist, didn't want to fight in the war. So coming back from Nigeria, they wanted to settle in an intentional community. So I was actually from one years old till 10 years old, raised in an intentional community where we shared our cars, our money. They made decisions together. 
Um, there's probably 20 families or more wow. in this community. Yeah. And so we all lived on a farm. We had our own houses, but my house was your house. I could go into anybody's house at any time and get anything I needed. It was like having 20 sets of parents and family and friends around all the time. So as a kid, you know, I think as an adult, that would kind of maybe make me crazy to make decisions like that with people. But as a kid, I had my best friends right there across the meadow. Every Saturday, we were at work project doing three hours of work in the fields. There was berry farm, corn, beans, all the vegetables. We had a farmer's market and a thriving berry farm where we sold, you know, organic berries. And we had a creek and forest and all the things. So there was no electronics or, I mean, yeah. one hour of TV a week was wow. MacGyver and Cosby Show. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's what we got. Thursday night. Yes. Yep. And I could probably have seen every episode. But then it was playing in the woods. And, wow. you know, we had Nature. outhouses and things that you don't just see every day. And so that was the first 10 years of my life. We moved um, to Iowa when I turned um, into fifth grade. So where was 10. that intentional community? Two and a half hours from here in Tiscoa, Illinois. In Illinois. Okay. So it's like right off of 80, south of Princeton. But I'm so curious. I've never met anyone who's... I know. And, and like, um, what were the pros? And as you reflect now as an adult with all your experience, what were the pros and cons of that experience? Because it sounds like sort of idyllic, but I assume there were also challenges. Yeah. I think there were challenges for my parents, more for, like I said, for the kids, because we were playing. We had community. We had um, dinners together love. every what Friday. School? school, we went to public school. Okay. But we had our own church and we had... Um, dinner together after church every Sunday. We played community games. We had community festivals, harvest festival and celebrations for Easter. It was, it's kind of like a Mennonite, I think, based um, community. And so it was brought up very um, religious in the Protestant faith. And so we had a lot of, you know, the normal holidays for that. And Is there any infighting? Was there drama? Yeah, do you remember drama? There I'm so was, curious. There was a lot of drama. It's just my psychology background. I'm like, what? Oh. what? Well, this one of the like leaders a was actually show. a pedophile. Oh. oh. <laughs> so that's kind of a downer, but um, like a big downer. Um, but, he, you know, they moved away and whatever. But when, when I was going into fifth grade, my dad... And my mom was unhappy with the decision-making with all the families. And so they needed a change. My dad needed a new job. And he started working then here at Iowa Mennonite School in Kelowna. Oh, okay. And so he worked there for... So then you moved to moved you moved to, to Iowa, Iowa. Okay. and I was in fifth grade, and that was like whoa. I was going to say, was that a transition? And you're yeah. so used to all this like community connection. Well, you can't go family. to the neighbors and use the pool. <laughs> I mean, that's not happening. Yeah. So you know, you you lose your best friends, you lose your source of community, you um, lose your sense of self in a way, and yeah. and I lost my sense of home. Yeah. Because yeah. that community built home. And it took me a long time to really grasp. Um, what that meant, yeah, and yeah. find that again, yeah, <laughs> and re and re your family really had to rebuild, yeah, something, yeah. There's still some pain in there, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, and then you would have been, were you in public school or did you go to the Mennonite school that your dad was? I was in public school and then went to the Mennonite school where my dad was. Okay, so. but you never feel like you fit in, you know. You so you felt like those first ten years. You, you so fit in. There was no other options. You were all connected, all loving, we were all the family, creakers. all the creakers. <laughs> and then at 10, which is to me like such a, a, you know, you're that tween space. It's a really 
often a hard transition point anyway, even if you don't move. So you move and then you're completely thrust into a completely different life. I imagine that was yeah, really hard. It's pretty vulnerable. Um, I, I built some friends structures and some friends down there, but um, often felt like I didn't fit in. Yeah. Did- I'm, I'm kind of weird anyway. So then <laughs> being extra weird was like, <laughs> were you also like six foot tall at that point? I was, I was 10? always the giraffe of the, of the class. Yeah. So yes, yeah. very tall. Yeah. So what about college then? Did you stay in this area for college? Yeah, I went to a couple of different colleges following some sports. Um, so what sports did you do? Yeah. I did volleyball and basketball yeah. all through college. Um, on scholarship and so I was able to experience sports in college which was awesome I did have a little bit of um drama with my coaches because they're you know they're hard on you when you're (laughs) getting a full ride they expect a lot and so I I had to grow up pretty quick and, and get a get a stronger backbone but I was able to transfer then to Goshen College and that's where I met my husband We've been married 22 and a half years. (laughs) So we've asked a lot of, we've actually had a lot of female athletes on this show and also female musicians, Mm -hmm. but um, curious, it seems like so many of the athletes we talk to, um, you know, the show is about, this podcast is about finding our inner wild, finding that like inner essence, that natural, you know, sort of piece of ourselves that can get lost by conditioning and culture and the rules and what's expected of us. But it seems like so many athletes, because you build this physical strength and this like kind of uh, competitiveness that, that you're not as likely to sort of release that wildness. Like you hang on to it a little bit Mm -hmm. more. Did you, have you noticed that or like, how did that athletic background, how did it serve you or how does it continue to serve you? I would totally agree with that. I think I developed from a young age the need to achieve to feel enough. Mm-hmm. And I think um, as an, I was good at athlete, I was good at sports. Yeah. So it was an easy way for me to achieve, to feel enough. And um, so I just kept doing, doing, doing and um, being pretty successful at it. Uh, but also covering up a lot of the internal anxiety and people pleasing and things inside myself that just were very uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. And then in building a business, do you see the lessons from kind of all of the sports? Oh, you have to face all of that. Like I had the good work, work ethic, you know, and I've got the motivation, but to face the inner emotional blocks and self-limiting beliefs, that's been the biggest journey in this whole entrepreneurship of, of really, Stop being a people pleaser. Stop needing to achieve to feel enough. Being me is already enough. You know, feeling like I didn't matter. You know, you, I grew mm-hmm. up in a family of four kids, number three. Uh, so I was always the, I called myself the um, peacemaker because, you know, there's a lot of chiefs and no Indians. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so somebody needed to keep the peace. And I felt like I took on, me, me being an empath took on a lot of, the emotional turmoil of that. And I think being an entrepreneur now, I get to explore all those different avenues because it will leak over into your business if you're not very clear within yourself of of what you're here to do and and how you need to do that. How did you get clear? Because I think um, so many women can relate to the people (laughs) How long do we have? (laughs) Yeah. How do you get clear? Um, I probably did it a fast 
a fast way, faster than some, because I was like, okay, I've got, I've got to learn how to, to do this. And obviously when my dad died back in 2013, I think that was one of the doors that kind of opened to say, I'm the owner of my experience. I've got to figure mm-hmm. out how to deal with this grief and how to survive another moment without him here. And so that was the first, like, stepping up to the plate and taking ownership of creating my own happiness. And, you know, that took me on the journey of finding functional medicine originally and going through saying no when I needed to say no and taking care of myself and not doing everything for everyone else and putting my own needs last, Um, not blaming my husband or my kids or anybody else for how I was feeling and understanding that grief's going to take time. And, and so I was working through a lot of that stuff back in 2013, which then took us on an adventure to Guam. We decided uh, we were freezing our butts off one winter in 2014. Um, and I told my husband before that, you know, I don't know if I'm going to get over this grief. I think I'm going to have to have another kid because a grief, you know, this just feels like. Don't we do that? Don't we do that? Yeah, I agree. Let me have a kid. This marriage isn't working. Let me have a kid. I don't like this job. Let me let me me just have a kid because that'll make me happy. Well, we decided we were going to move to Guam um, on this adventure because he was born there. He'd kind of always wanted to go back. Born in Guam, 1977, when his dad was working for the University of Guam, and so it was always on our radar. Well, jobs opened up and. we're like, okay, let's go. Well, two hours before my job interview, I did found out I was pregnant. Oh, so I was like, well, you asked for that. I was going to say you manifested two things very quickly, a baby, and I moved to somewhere warm. But yeah. I was like, my heart was broken. I was grieving. I had shut down my functional medicine practice that I was doing. Um, and I was like, this is the next thing. And so we moved to Guam. We had another baby. Um, and we started new jobs all within 2014. Brave. So brave, actually. <laughs> and yeah, a little Guam's bit crazy. like a little island in the middle of nowhere, right? I had I to like... Google it. I had no clue yeah, where it where was. Where is it? Tell us. It is way, way, way far away. It's a 23-hour flight itinerary. It's the longest flight I've ever done to Japan, 14 hours. And then it's another four hours from there. From Japan. On an airplane. So think of Hawaii. It's really far away. Eight hours from there. Wow. So it's a dot literally out in the Pacific Ocean. And you were there for two years in Guam? We were there for two years in Guam. Um, We had a little blip while we were there. My husband got cancer. And so this was kind of like what I call universal smackdown. When you're already grieving and rebuilding your life, then your husband gets cancer. Um, That's the doom and gloom phone call Mm -hmm. (laughs) that takes you to your knees. Yeah. 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 So were you practicing nursing when you were in Guam? Um, yeah, we were there to start help start a hospital. And the hospital was still being built. <laughs> so I was actually raising my kids, getting paid to wait for the hospital to be built. So it was actually, that was actually really good. Yeah. But by the time he had gotten cancer, we needed to come back to Iowa. For treatment. For treatment. Yeah, and your husband's in healthcare, and then what What kind of cancer was it? So it's non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Lymphoma, okay. So you came back to the States because the medical treatment was going to be better in the States than in Guam. So Guam is like a territory. They have some services, but they have very little cancer treatment. So the people there usually go to the Philippines or California for care. 
we're working on bringing more care there. That's part of the reason we were there. Um, and they have brought more services there since we've been there. But to get the treatment he needed, we needed to come back to the States. And we didn't know how bad it was. We didn't know if it was stage whatever. Right. So we reached out to our friends at the university and they helped us get an appointment. And it was stage one and he's fine. You know, it was just kind of a roller coaster. But it brought oh, you back. Yeah. It brought you back yeah. to the States. Brought us back. Uh, had, had this, not, I mean, this is kind of a silly question because life happens and takes us where we need to go. But would you have stayed in Guam? Had he not like, was that a place where you're like, yeah, I could live here for the next 20 years or did you get Island fever? <clears throat> I think I probably would have stayed there. You would have stayed I there. An island love the I love the ocean. The, it was a small town feel. We had just enough amenities to be happy. We had really good friends. Um, but that big blip in the road really made us crave security and um, just being near good health care. We felt very vulnerable in the middle of the Pacific Ocean without the health care we needed, without the doctors we needed, without the family support we needed. And so settling down back here where we kind of knew what we were going to get um, just felt very what we needed. Yeah. 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 It feels like the <clears throat> how you first grew up in like this community too. And then I see this community thread like mm-hmm. yeah. reaching back out to your husband's home community. To serve them, there's definitely. It feels like that's a real thread for you that you and now you have your own community of clients that you're serving. Yes, through your healthcare business. So, for me, I keep thinking how all of this has kind of been on along your road. You've impacted a variety of communities and been part of communities. Yeah, I would say community um, is very important to me and just finding people that are like-minded, who support each other, where you can show up and be yourself. You're not expected to be one way and then show up another way. And we've built quite a little community here in Iowa like that. And and so, you know, the grass you think is always greener somewhere else, but you can actually make make your grass greener right where you're at. That's that's such a good good lesson. That's a good message. Really good message. That's one thing I learned with my SmackDown. Yeah. So uh, let's get into functional medicine because uh, I've been impacted by it personally. I know Kate has. And I feel like if I remember correctly, you have a story too early on that brought you to functional medicine. So I'd love for you to tell us that story and also just tell listeners who might not know what functional medicine is, because I think it is such a powerful shift in terms of how we think about health. Yeah, you know, I've got. I was lucky enough to find functional medicine in 2011 from my mentor, Karen, Dr. Karen Shanks, and I had no idea. Her book on our show notes. Oh, yeah, she's she's well known. And if you're struggling with major chronic issues, find her and work with her. She will help you. She helped me for sure. Yeah. And so I, my angels knew what they were doing when uh, we met in the gym. We were working out, and she's like. You should try functional medicine. I had no idea what that was. That's how you met her in the gym. In the gym, working out. And um, I went for my first functional medicine training. And I was sitting there and they're explaining how the body's all connected. And how all the years I was sick as a kid with asthma, allergies, rashes, um, sinus infections, lung infections, boils. I mean, I was sick. Uh, Adrenal fatigue. This is in your first 10 years too? Yeah. Uh, 15 years, first 15 15 years. years, I started with eczema at age five. And by the time I hit high school, I was severely anemic, um, on four inhalers, like tons of asthma, allergies, boils. Um, it was, and and you were trying to play sports. Yeah. And fit in and look cool and pretty. I mean, it Mm. it wasn't great. 
my parents took me to multiple doctors, got another antibiotic, another steroid, went to the allergist, got allergy shots. Um, obviously nothing was working and they were like, fine, let's try some chiropractors. So Dr. Karen um, Zakar and Margaret Hansen mm. is who helped me. And so at age 15, they put me on an elimination diet, some anti-inflammatory herbs, supplements, and I started to heal. And I was like, this is weird. What's going on? And so then fast forward, when I found functional medicine, they explained to me why I was healing. My heart's going, this is incredible. Your heart is expanding as you learn the truth of your life. It was mind-blowing because I had lived it. I had experienced not it really known what and didn't know how I healed myself, just knew I did. So tell us how, I mean, I'm trying to help people understand, like clearly it was the antibiotics and all the, the sort of Western medications that you were given that were messing up your gut, right? Yeah. So like, yeah. So pretty much we, we build our gut flora from zero to 12 months. So if you think about babies in utero, they're getting their gut flora from their moms. If moms are already imbalanced, stressed out, full of toxins, a lot of that transfers to the baby. Then you add in ear infections, strep throat, all the things we deal with uh, vaccines as a baby that impacts their immune system even more. And they get antibiotics, antibiotics, antibiotics to destroys their gut flora, which is our gateway to health, right? Our health starts in our gut and how well our digestion's working. And so if we uproot that already at day one, which happened to me, I was, I had pneumonia as a baby. I was in the NICU. I was given tons of antibiotics, more antibiotics than as a child when I developed um, rashes, lung infections, sinus infections, more antibiotics as a teenager when none of that was going away to the point where I had boils on my body that were spewing infection. And so I had nothing left in my gut to fight with. It was completely destroyed. And so that led to anemia, that led to fatigue, that led to depression, like your brain chemistry gets all off when your gut chemistry is off. And so you just think of all the root causes. Functional medicine is the root cause um, treatment basically it's gets it's down to gets the, down to, to that elimination the, yeah. diet changing what you were eating began to heal your gut and all the supplements you were taking began to heal your gut how long for you and for maybe the average person maybe it's different for everyone does it take to heal because I had to heal my gut I had leaky gut syndrome as well mm-hmm. all kinds of problems mm-hmm. as well so interesting so many women have this mm-hmm. story um how long do you think it takes to really heal someone's well, and of yes. course, this is a spectrum and it's very based on how long you've been sick and how sick you are. But to get a to get the gut sealed and healed, it can take a good four to six weeks. Um, hardcore. But if you're just willy nilly, just kind of nonchalant about it, it's going to take a lot longer. Yeah. So we, four to six weeks, that's not as long as I thought. Yeah. I thought you were going to take, say, like a full year. Well, that's just the leaky gut part. But to get mm. the gut microbiome actually balanced Back. and get your symptoms like under control, it can take it can take years. Yeah. 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 It's a lot of undoing. It's a lot of undoing. And I followed every diet out there because I thought, oh, if I just change what I'm eating, food is medicine, uh, avoid the bad foods, put in the good foods, I'll be better. Well, that worked to an extent, but I was still not where I wanted to be. I still had hormone imbalance fatigue. I was still having some indigestion issues. And it wasn't until I started to address um, the emotional blocks and the the things underneath Mm -hmm. that were creating the toxicities and the energy from moving through. 
That's okay. when things change for me. Can we talk about that? Because as you, like my little, you know, mind body psychologist brain, when you were talking about your childhood and all the stuff going on, I was thinking about like, oh, what was the emotional stuff underneath? Because I think of boils, especially is like anger erupting oh, to the surface. I had lots of anger. You had lots of anger. Yeah, it's all connected. It's oh. all connected. And unexpressed anger is going to come out your liver. It's going to come out your skin. It's going to come out your. Um, breathing sinuses mm. I had I was spewing anger mm. I think I probably took on a lot of anger and had my own anger and so well, and I, you mentioned you're an empath so yes. when you think about all the emotions and you said you your were, mom was angry with yeah. the situation lots, lots of things up. were angry um and you were in a community I was of, in a I mean, community a, somewhat of a very large family <laughs> that's right so I could have been taking on things from that that I wasn't aware of I didn't know I was really an empath till like a year or two I know. ago can they start putting that on our birth certificate please? yeah can we describe <laughs> empath too because I feel like yeah. we have described it before but when people hear it and relate to it a light bulb goes on in a big way and I will say the term empath has only been around for the last couple of years it's really a new well that's interesting term it's not it's in even in terms of like psychological literature there isn't it's new. There's not like a measurement for it. I mean, it's it's a pretty new thing. So I'd like to hear what you, so, how you uh, yeah. would describe it. I read a book by Anita Morjani called uh, Sensitive is the New Strong. And she lists like 30 things in there. that if, if you answer yes to 25 or more of these things, then you're an empath. I answered yes to all of them. <laughs> I was like, ew. And she goes, and if you answer yes to 28 or more, then you're like an extra special empath of some sort. <laughs> I was like, oh boy. Like I've always been the overachiever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I knew I was weird, but I didn't understand why. So I think I'm starting to understand that there's a lot of untapped potential in there that is linked to this empathic ability um that i am very intuitive uh and i was ignoring that for so long well now you're leveraging it in your business yeah it helps me a lot yeah i love how you've integrated and i'm just going to be vulnerable and say i work with rachel currently um on health issues and you do have a way of bringing together all of these pieces um, you make me reflect on my own, <laughs> my own shit. <laughs> and, you know, what am I, what, what am I doing for myself? How am I approaching self-care? What do, do my days look like? Because all the supplements in the world aren't going to matter mm, if you're not emotions. getting into the emotions yeah. and getting and, out of stress and getting out of stress. So um, it is, it is an incredibly powerful, empowering way to go about addressing um, your health, but it's, it allows it to be way more holistic than, than we treated in Western medicine. And, um, the root cause you're right. Emotion is a, a part of the root cause. So, um, for me, it's been really eye opening and a lot of self-awareness that's come with this process. And also, like I said, empowering to like take charge of my health and realize that there are things I have a lot more control over than I thought giving me goosebumps over here <laughs> mm-hmm. so. but that's exactly you know kind of kind of what I want women to know is that and and men I, I work with men too but anybody who really wants to heal and and deal with their brain fog their weight gain their you know fatigue, fatigue headaches, headaches joint distress oh, joint pain it's not normal to not poop you know any yeah. of those things like we can start plugging into foundations of health that can work across the board yeah. but guess what folks not all the supplements and all the diet changes are going to do it so so you think it's diet 
supplements, but also the inner emotional work, like really addressing. I would put it the other way around. Emotional work and then diet and supplements. Yeah, because I mean, my training in yoga, and this was such an eye opener for me, taught that like all disease actually starts in the mental realm and the emotional realm. And we can clear it in that realm first, but if we don't clear it or we don't address it or we don't have time for it, then it does finally lodge in the physical tissues of the body and shows up as symptoms. So I love the idea that it doesn't have to show up physically in the body. Like we can get to it sooner so that it doesn't impact our physical health, but I think we haven't often been given the tools or even the the knowledge that these things are connected. And we've taught we've been taught stoicism and push it down and numb it out and not okay. pretend it's yeah, pretend it's not that bad. And it's not I think what's was eye opening for me, it's not simultaneous to an event. So you really almost right. have to look back a few years and say a couple years. What landed that is lodged in me, in my issues, in my tissues idea that you know, I can trace back to yeah. two years ago or three yeah, years ago. Yeah, I think it's about Some two years. Some people say, is what they oh, ever since I had this vaccine, I haven't been able to feel well. Well, maybe it wasn't the vaccine. Maybe it was all the times you ignored your intuition on what you needed to do to take care of yourself before you got the vaccine. So that your toxic load was so high that the vaccine broke the camel's back and now you have mm. symptoms. So not always is it the trigger. It's all the things that built up to that trigger. And usually you can track it to 6 to 12 months before the symptoms really are taking hold that there was the trigger. Or something. Yeah. But but oftentimes, like I said, you know, one of the doors that opened to me was when I really started to do that self-development and exploration. When I stopped people-pleasing, when I started saying no, my adrenals could actually recover. Because now I'm actually resting. Oh, it's okay to take a nap. Yeah. That's news to an overachiever. (laughs) I want balls to the walls. Let's go. Yeah. You know, I was like intentional rest, folks. It's okay. Yeah. So let's talk about this for women. Because I, I mean, you know, Kate has dealt with her health problems. I dealt with my universal smackdown, as you called it, in my early 40s. I have so many dear friends that are also high achieving women, have businesses, are working hours, have children. And it does seem that there that something happens at that 40 mark where people's bodies start to break down. Um, how would you describe that or how do you conceptualize that from this functional medicine perspective? And then if there's anyone that's listening that hasn't broken down yet, how can they (laughs) prevent that from happening? Well, and I think too, like you mentioned once, we get wiser. Our bodies get more, get smarter at picking up when it's a yes and when it's a no. And as we get older, we're starting to say enough's enough. I'm tired of feeling this way. What can I do to take ownership and, and create the health I, and the body I desire? Yeah. What's it going to take? And that's where the foundations to health apply. That's where it's, it's like mindset. Are your thoughts in the dumps? Well, what do you expect? If you're beating yourself up, I was my own worst critic. Yeah, so I talked mm-hmm. to everybody better than myself. I, I mean, even the dog got better <laughs> so, you know, love than I gave myself. So I finally decided... I'm going to talk to myself like I talk to my best friends and my favorite clients and the people I love. And that really started to change things. Like mm. I had to be my own best friend. Yeah. I didn't even know what that 
meant. Because then when you talk to yourself kinder, you actually take actions to treat yourself kinder. Because then you feel worthy. Like, Mm -hmm. I think worthiness is the play in health. Because when we don't feel worthy, we don't feel like we're worth an investment in our health. We don't feel like we can say no. Because everybody's more important than us. We don't feel like we can say no to something that isn't in our highest and best good because what they need of us is is so much more important. I know you've said before, women get a big star when they say yes, yes, yes. Well, guess what, folks? We can't do it all. And the world is on our shoulders. And if we don't start saying no and standing up in our power, we're going to be flat on the ground sick. Yeah. Because we have to do this gradually. And that starts with really diving in deep and knowing yourself, connecting to your heart. Like you said, that's when I, the things started to change. When I started to find my voice, when I started to realize that I do have more power in my choices, that wasn't my husband making my, me sick. It wasn't my kids making me sick. It wasn't my job. It wasn't the lack of money. Mm. First had to start with my mindset, talking good, feeling worthy, and then actually taking the aligned action to help me feel that way. I love that, that what you just said, because I think when you do get sick, you can so easily get in that victim role and look for what caused this. And it is so easy to say, well, it's my work or it's just that I have no time. It's the kids. They're constantly making me run everywhere or it's this partner of mine or right. And I love you saying those aren't what make us sick. It's our mindset and our perspective about everything in our life that makes us sick. And so, but part of this that I think is so hard, and I see this in my practice as well, is that people aren't often aware of how they're talking to each other, uh, talking to themselves. themselves. You're just in go mode. You're just in survival mode. You're not even witnessing what's going on internally. Um, And so sometimes it is these physical breakdowns or emotional breakdowns or divorces or moves or whatever it is that like break us open to start to examine our lives. Yeah. How am I treating myself? Yeah. And that's when, that's when you can bring in the self-compassion, but it, it takes practice. It's not a flip yeah. you switch. Right. Or switch you flip. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, you know, building our days. I mean, I always like to think of things in chunks. And so I remember we started working together and you're like, well, look at your week. How, what are you doing for yourself? Mm. Right. And it, it's really eye-opening when you lay out your calendar and you think about your days or you look backward and say, hmm, what did I do for self-care last week? And I don't mean, you know, we can talk about self-care as like a massage. Those are all great, um, but there's a there's a spectrum of that. And it's any time that you're just with yourself and you're tuned into yourself. And um, sometimes that's a massage and sometimes it's meditation and sometimes it's going for a walk. And it can be so many things, but as you start practicing them, and feeling the benefits, you're like, this just has to become part of my day every single day. Um, because when we're ignoring ourselves and not spending time with ourselves, then we're not going to hear all the things our body's yeah. trying to tell us. Now, if you're flat on your back, f- fatigued, you know, and you just can barely make it through the day, that's when you got to really wake up and say, all right, I got to make some severe changes. And And it's not rocket science, like you said, but it's looking at the whole picture and saying, did I get enough hydration? Did I eat enough to support my my nourishing needs? Did I get good sleep? You know, am I stabilizing my blood sugar? Am I meditating to get out of stress? Guess what, guys? There's lots of different stress out there, physical, emotional, mental. And if it's brewing and going, you're not going to get on top of your issues. Stress is the number one thing that drives 
you know, weight that drives um, our cravings, that drives our a lot of things, our addictions. And so, like I said, you know, until these foundational things are addressed, who cares about the supplements? Mm -hmm. Who cares about the diet plan? You're not going to follow it anyway. You know, and so you, you got to wake up to the things you can do, the things you can control and know that you're worthy enough to do it and that you got to take ownership of it. It's not someone else's job. Mm-hmm. I feel like you're kind of a de- detective. <laughs> like people come to you and you, I've been called that you before. Help them like sort through all the different aspects of their life that are making them unhealthy and stuff that they might not even think about. Because we're also conditioned to believe you go to the doctor, they give you a medication or a surgery or an intervention, and then you're healthy. But here you're talking about it's like a lot more honest on the the, the patient. Like, no, you you have to dig in. Right. It's Feel so true. We, we, we've yourself. been taught to go to the doctor to get better. Well, that never worked for me. I got yeah. I went to the doctor and got told I was anxious, depressed, sicker. and sicker, and told you know maybe you're just making this stuff up. Or here's another pill. It didn't work for me, guys. And so when I got on this side of the table and helped people really start to explore this stuff, I started to realize the journey is within. The journey is back to ourself. The journey is what areas are we not showing up for ourselves, that we're not loving ourselves enough to give ourselves a nourishing meal, to give ourselves the right hydration, to give ourselves the intentional rest so we can show up for the things we love and the people we love. It all starts there. We can't jump and fast forward and just be healed by taking a pill. That'll mask symptoms for a while. Yeah. Well, then start you'll start right. dealing with side effects. Yeah. yeah. No, I love the tough love, honestly, because it's <laughs> it is it is the some um, people I think might be scared of that, but oh, honestly, I can hear it's the like, passion in her voice. Yes. Right? She's like Whew. she's like in her red pants today, <laughs> and she is you telling get, us you right. get me fired up when we talk about the You're power about because yeah. because I want people to hear that you can do it, you are worth it, you can heal and yes it takes a lot of support and love and guidance and commitment dedication but it can happen Mm. oh that's so good okay so tell us about your business and um you know because I feel like there's going to be people listening who are like oh yeah I'm fatigued and yeah I've had headaches for years and yeah I just am feeling depressed and I'm tired and I don't sleep and you know, if they come to you, what, what do they expect? Or, you know, how, how do you work with people? Like walk us through that. So, yeah, you know, I can throw out a wide net and get functional labs, or we can just dive right in and start working on the foundations because if the foundations aren't in check, the wide net's not going to do us a ton of good. And so what I like to do is work on the foundational things, you know, clean up the diet, get the sleep better, get the stress under control, you know, get hydration where it needs to be, you know, plug into those foundational things. And then, you know, we're still feeling with dealing with symptoms. We sure can draw labs. We can look where we're at. We can get that as a baseline. We can get that as a recheck. We can get that as a where do we need to go? What do we need to do? And so there's a whole bunch of functional labs you can do that help address some of the root cause things. But I also use um, muscle testing and ways to intuitively tap into what's going to help this person really um, be successful at their protocol and make the most difference in 
their health symptoms. And that can look different for everyone. So you make like a protocol, a plan for everyone. It's very personalized. Not one, there's no one size fits all. We're all dealing with different things and we're all experiments walking around. So don't expect every guru out there to have the answer for you. You no 10 step plan for everyone is there. I mean, there's certain things that can work that apply for people. And that's where the foundationals of health come in. That that's the course I'm actually making is like, here's the things that are going to work basically for everyone. Now past that, you've been on the perfect diet for a while and you're still fatigued and feeling like crap. Okay, let's dive a little deeper. Let's see if there's infections, Epstein-Barr, Lyme, mold, mycotoxins, some of these big names that are out there like, oh, maybe I have that. Well, guess what? If you're still stressed out, the mold, mycotoxins, who cares? You've got to deal with the stress first. Mm. And that was my big lesson. It was like, What was your lesson? Well, I mean, Rachel kind of virtually sat me down and said, what, what does your schedule look like? What do you, what do your weeks look like? What are you doing? Cause I said, I am so <laughs> I'm tired. laughing because <laughs> you know what I'm doing. If you come to me, you're going to get um, like the, well, I know Kate too. You know what I'm, I'm like, doing. What does your schedule look like? And, yeah. And she's like, well, that's, that's not gonna, that's not working for you. Tough <laughs> you love, tough you, love with was, you, right Kate? But I needed somebody to say that to me. And, um, and we did do labs um, because yeah. I had some things that I was worried about. And I remember getting, it's, it was like a teacher getting your, your grades back. And I, my sheet came through and it was like redlined. Red, you're red. also a perfectionist like, overachiever yeah, like, who oh always God, got A's. You're I like, oh no. got a D. I'm failing. Um, and I was, it, it, she, it, but you prefaced with don't, don't freak out. We're going to go over all of this in a few minutes, but there's a lot here we can work with and work on. And, and, um, and, you know, you've stayed with me. I I think too, like the, as, as I've dug deeper and found out I had this massive infection that had been brewing for a long time, which now feels like kind of an impetus for a lot of my issues um, and how they're all connected that I would not have understood. So I think the beauty of Rachel is she is a detective and she does not rest until she's kind of helped, you know, everyone get where, understand. It's not just her telling you to do these things. She helps me understand why. And then I'm more apt to follow the protocol because I understand why. Yeah. Yeah, You're like a detective <laughs> slash coach slash cheerleader yeah. slash spiritual advisor. Yeah. Yeah. Loving support. Yes. I, because trauma plays a role. Mm. viruses play a role toxic overload plays a role not feeling worthy plays a role so many things play a role in our health that we got to be able to figure out which one's of highest importance which one's going to make the most impact to work on first and which one you know is going to move the needle forward for them so it's just a lot of things but what's so refreshing to me is you as this medical professional who works medically with people are saying things like as a psychologist, I've known this for years, but to hear someone like you say, well, we got to deal with the shame. Like that's a huge piece of this. And we have to deal with the stress, right? Like it's so refreshing to see someone see the big picture and honor each piece, mm-hmm. right? Not poo poo any of it. Yeah. Oh, cause we are complex beings we are, and that's what makes the mystery of life so rewarding and also so much work. We can call it joyful to try to heal or we can be like oh my god she wants me to eat what like there's the mindset yeah I always used to say I love people who already eat kale every day well but honestly it's like what are you willing to do for yourself 
Are you ready to step in, take ownership of your journey? Are you ready to do what it takes to actually live healthy and feel vibrant? You can actually reverse your biological age by plugging into this stuff. Mm. Tell us more about that. I love that idea. I mean, I will say that 10 years, so it was about 10 years ago that I started to have all kinds of autoimmune flares and started to feel really sick and had lots of stuff going on. 10 years later, I do feel better than ever. I feel healthier. I feel more energetic. I feel younger. My joints don't hurt in the same way. I'm more active. So yeah, how does that work? How do we, because I do believe this too, that we can reverse our aging. What do you think are the key factors of that? So gut health, first gut and health. foremost. Yeah. So food is You should medicine. poop every day, right? Poop in the every morning, day, guys. It wake needs up to be and under poop. two minutes and it needs to be bliss. Under two minutes. Oh, that nice. Oh, that's me. I do. I, nice people. and blissful. Not my son who's in there for 15 minutes. <laughs> I know. I was like, this isn't normal. I mean, he just wants to watch his phone. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. We need to have a no phone zone in the bathroom. Yeah. But yeah, you know, gut health, first and foremost, um, meditation and rest, plugging into stress relief, because if you're stressed out and balls to the walls, guess what? You're going to burn yourself out. Yeah. Your adrenals are fatigued. Learn how to say no. Yeah. Learn how to say no. I'm working on that. Yeah. <laughs> learn how to say <laughs> no. Like you and learn how to speak your truth as lovingly as possible. Mm-hmm. Like my truth comes out kind of passionately and intense sometimes, but you know, like that will protect your adrenals. Um, what else? Learning how to nourish yourself and hydrate. So minerals. Tell me about hydration because yeah. you've said that a couple of times. I'm like, I think I might. How be many of us around her huge? Yeah, you know, I go. I don't go anywhere without forty ounces. But you know, is that for one day? Forty ounces for one day? Oh no! Oh 90. no! She looks at me with disdain. Oh no, oh, no sister! <laughs> this is half of a day. So you drink two of those. Eighty. Eighty ounces a day. So her- take your weight, divide it by two, and that needs to be the minimum in ounces a day. But you need to also have minerals and electrolytes in there. People do not pay attention to hydration. Where do we get minerals and electrolytes? So you can get it from food, but I also add, um, I'll use like Redmond's mineral salt or um, LMNT. There's products that have electrolytes that are low sugar um, type things okay. that I'll do once a day. And what does the hydration do for people? Because so, I think I'm chronically dehydrated. Yeah, I mean... If we're not peeing out our toxins, they're backing up, right? So we need fluid to move toxins out. We need fluid for um, drainage, uh, everything, heart balance, blood pressure. Uh, It's going to keep brain fog down. It's going to keep energy up. It's going to keep you from having muscle cramps, um, muscle twitches, uh, dizziness, Lots of lots of little things that people are like, oh, we don't I'm, even think about. I just stood up and I'm dizzy. Well, that's not normal. Or I can't go to bed because my legs are jumpy and they're cramping. That's not normal. My eye keeps twitching. That's not normal. That happens to me. Twitching <laughs> eye. Yeah. Get so okay, okay, I got to start to drink water. Okay, electrolytes you know, so and water. I'm going to do this after. You well, start- we, and we think we, well, I just had three glasses of water or whatever, but the electrolyte piece is... Yeah, so take your body weight, divide it by two, Get that's your target for the day of fluids. Have at least one of your fluids of 20 ounces or so of electrolytes. Then you're covered. Okay. You can front load that in the morning. If you feel like you have meetings all day and you don't want to pee all day, front load it in the morning. You know, start your day off with 40 ounces. And you'll pee it out and you'll be ready for your meetings. In, the, in between meetings, drink electrolytes. You'll actually pee less if you drink electrolytes. Mm. 
because then you're um holding. you're holding it better. Yeah, you won't mm-hmm. get as puffy in your tissues. Mm. So people don't pay attention to that. I love this. I'm learning no. so much. I'm like making my list of things I want to do already. Uh, yeah, Thank you, do Rachel. that. Uh, make sure you're pooping every day. Come on, guys. We that gotta, was a game changer for me. It's a yeah. game, changer. game changer. If you're not, there's products to help. Magnesium, Magnesium. fruits, fiber, um, prebiotics, probiotics. Just work on your gut health. Yeah. If you have leaky gut, there's a seven emotional blocks at least connected to leaky gut that I had to work on myself. Ooh, can, do you know those off the top? So, of I'm so fascinated. I, I know there was seven fear emotions of fear? related to gut health: fear of judgment, fear of criticism, um, not feeling worthy, uh, scarcity was a big one. Yeah, in my small intestine. Stuff, yeah. Yep, they, that was balanced. Um, Fear, tons of fear of like moving forward, fear of failure. Um, what was the other one? I think there was some doubt in there too. We'll I worked with an, in, in, yeah, I worked with an energy we'll healer in who helped me with that. Mm. And less inflammation, everything's happy, like the best gut function of my life of 30 years. Because mm-hmm. I've been working on my gut for a long time. Okay, I have inspiring. I have one final question because I, I'm, I'm enjoying getting this free medical um, input right now. <laughs> I can go on and on. I and know. On. So could I. I'm making a class. Okay, gluten. <laughs> gluten. I've been off of it for a long time, and it totally has revolutionized my health. But I'm curious, like, what your perception of it is for people who aren't celiac or don't have gluten sensitivity. Like, is it as evil as we think it is? Or I think it is. That's my that's my opinion. Yeah, I've it's told, evil for me. I, know. I never felt like I'd be able to tolerate it again in my life. I've been off it for twelve years, um, and I I thought, okay, I'm stuck with these food sensitivities my entire life. Well, guess what, folks? I can now eat it. Now I'm not f- completely celiac because I've had my genetics tested. There's two for sensitivity and two for celiac. So if you want the genetic testing, 23andMe, um, DNA Ancestry, I look at a lot of people's genetics because I just love that information mm. to know what they can do in their lifestyle to offset their genetics. We are not victims of our genes, guys. Epigenetics now shows that what we do in our lifestyle is 80% of our genetic expression. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard it's even as close. I've heard it's as little as like seven to eight percent of our genetics actually will lead to. It it doesn't predict very little. It is more. Anybody who wants to say my grandma, my mom, my dad had that, so I'm going to get it. Okay, that's victim mentality. Yeah, I'm just going to call you out because epigenetics says lifestyle is eighty percent or more. It's huge. It is. So we can turn our genes on and off by what we do, by the choices we make. That's why I always say, if you look at my social media, it'll say choices equal habits equal health. Because our choices are what's going to determine what our genetics do on and off. If we know our genetics kind of nice, we know we have sluggish detox pathways. We know we need more green vegetables. We need magnesium, sweating, you know, some of these things that upregulate B vitamins, upregulate, upregulate detox pathways. If we know that we can't tolerate intermittent fasting, that's a genetic thing. Oh, really? So we need to eat. Oh, that's fascinating. Women just think, oh, if we don't eat, we're not going to gain weight. No, our sex hormones need food. Most women actually can't tolerate intermittent fasting. Mm. So if you really look at your genetics, you'll know if you're set up for that or not. So 23andMe. 23andMe, Ancestry DNA. I do um, genetic testing for some of my clients. It's a, 
it, it varies in cost, but it's really fun information to know. Mm-hmm. Um, you can tell if your salt intake's bad for your blood pressure with that, if you're um, set up for type 2 diabetes, if you can tolerate statins, what your methylation factor does, which I haven't even touched on. Methylation is huge for prevention in biological age. Mm. Which is basically um, detox pathways, getting your green I'm vegetables. Do this, I know. I haven't done that. I haven't I'm done fascinated. that one yet. But I, there's so much oh, we can do because once are opening we here, combine genetics, like I said, with choices, lifestyle, lifestyle, we get health. But it also taps into don't run yourself ragged. Deal with your shame. Deal with that trauma. Don't bring your so past into this the present time, right? moment. No. Take care of yourself. Do yeah. your inner work. We do have your inner to. work. We're yep. complex beings. And I, yeah, so it's interesting how the health plays into all of this in such a major way. And I have to hope that that is where we're going in, not just in this country, but in the world. That's um, And the more we, as, as women or any of our listeners, are exploring it and um, learning about it and educating ourselves about it and sharing it with each other and what's working for us and what, you know, I feel like, again, women can make the shifts to some of our systems yeah. that are not serving us well. Yeah, Let's exactly. just be honest. Um, we, we've got to start sharing the, the knowledge like we did today of, sharing of what's the well. possible. Yeah. Well, I'm wondering too for our listeners, if you would put together Clearly, we're going to put all of your contact information in our show notes, but also some of the big functional medicine websites or books that would really get people started on this. I think yeah. it would be great to... Certainly. Yeah. And my um, course that's going to be coming out, yes, tell hopefully us about I'll that. be launching that. I'm planning to launch that this fall, hopefully October, okay. that will have a lot of the foundationals to health and links to functional medicine. I'll have a whole um, module on functional medicine labs. Um, for people who've been sick a long time and are just done with with conventional medicine and, and are ready to just do what it takes. Um, so that will go through a lot of that stuff. And I, I talk about epigenetics. I'll be talking about food as medicine, right. um, gut infections. Um, and I'll give little protocols in there to start with. Uh, fine tuning them is when you really want to work with somebody, but you'll notice with functional medicine providers, there's a cost involved. A lot of us do not take insurance because to, to deal with insurance takes a lot of time and to do what we love, we'd rather put that time into you guys. And so, you know, the the insurance world hasn't caught up with, with all of this. And so the more of us who stand up, wake up, just find this works and, and show people that there's another way that we can be our own healers, that we can treat root cause and figure this out. Hopefully we can create change together. Yeah. It's an investment in self. Like if you Mm -hmm. really learn these things and, you know, pay to work with a functional medicine practitioner and make these changes, you're going to save a ton of money down the road in terms of your own health and longevity. The cost of illness is high. Yes. And my goal is to get my clients to really like understand themselves so that they know they're doing what they need to do to get their best health. Yeah. Beautiful. Okay, so we have questions for you. Yes. Oh, sorry. Last. Oh, last I love question. it. You wild women. So fun. So uh, you know, every woman. Uh, I think actually every woman has a well, for sure has a wild aspect. Again, it's yeah. this natural essence. But as we spent this day talking to you, I I just see in you, you know, this 
totally unique experience growing up and this connection to community and then all the illness she went through as a child that led you to really be so clearly passionate about this and And be a healer. Yeah. And your willingness to go against big system, big farm, big medicine, big systems and be like, I'm doing it my way. I'm going to guide people through this is so empowering. So this is our question we ask all of our guests. So this is, of course, from the infamous book, Women Who Run With the Wolves by Dr. Clarissa Pinkola Estes. There are a few precious doors into the world of the wild woman. Which ones, dear Rachel, have you taken? All right. So if you have a deep scar, that is a door. If you have an old, old story, that is a door. You love the sky and the water so much you can almost not bear it. That is a door. And if you yearn for a deeper life, a full life, a sane life, that is a door. Which door do you think you took? Maybe multiple ones. So I took one, two, and four. One, two, and four. So the deep scar. (laughs) That was my dad. Your dad. He was my best friend. um, My go-to. That deep despair of grief. Took me to a whole new level of ownership of my journey. Mm. The old story. What was the old story? The old story story was, um, I'm not good enough. I don't matter. uh, I'm not worthy. And um, I need to achieve to feel enough. I needed to can that. (laughs) And then the yearning for a deeper life, a full Full life, life. a sane life, which feels like that's where you are. That's where I am. Freedom is what I desire and what my soul yearns for and is what brought me to this moment is honoring that sense of freedom that I feel in every day and being able to create protocols for my clients, be there for my kids, be there for myself in a way that's nourishing so that I don't burn out so that I don't fall flat on my back, that I get to do the things I need to do to show up how I need to show up in my highest and best self. That's so beautiful. So you are living that, and you're, you're a great example of that for many of us. So. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you <laughs> Thank for you all for the inspiration today. And we'll put all her contact information in the show notes as well. But you can find, I want you to say your website. Yeah, rachelshealingarts.com and rachelshealingarts on Instagram. Beautiful. Awesome. Thank Thank you, you, dear Rachel. We love having you here. This was so much fun. Thank you so much for having me. And now the amazing singer-songwriter, Lissy Morris, with Wild West. Thanks for joining us today. If you like this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. Come back and rewild with us again next week.